So I, I do recognize it's Mother's Day, and some of you might be here as, you know, kind of a gift to somebody, and, and, and you're kind of showing up today, and we really are glad you're here. And I think that it can be of benefit to you. And I'll, let me kind of quickly recap where we've been going together and bring us all on the same t- page. We, we kicked off a series a few weeks ago, and we're looking at this passage in Ephesians chapter 5. And in verses fif- uh, 15 through 17, Paul told us that he wants us to be careful how we live. Be careful how we walk in our lives, and, and, and he wants us to live as wise people. And if you're a Jesus follower, this is like a no-brainer. It's like, of course I want that. And even if you're not, you know, following Jesus, this could add value to your life. You say, hey, wisdom, I like that. I, I want to figure out this whole be wise thing. And the wisest step that we could take according to that passage is that we try to understand and discover and figure out God's will for our lives. So out of that passage, we put together this question that we're actually hoping will help bring clarity for you. That will bring clarity in your decision-making processes that you go through and the choices that you make in your lives. And here's the question. In light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? And the wisdom question takes us beyond what's just a good thing or a bad thing. It takes us beyond, it's bigger and better than that. It's better than, you know, what's legal. Uh, It's better than what can I get away with. It's better than all of that. And so for the last couple weeks, we've been unpacking that, and we've been talking about that and talking about what that looks like. If you haven't been here, I really encourage you, watch or listen online so you can get all the different flavors of what we've been talking about. Last week, we discovered there's just incredible wisdom you want to be wise, then listen to counsel. And specifically, we said, listen to God's counsel. And the best way that God gives us his counsel, the clearest way, is through his word. But then God also gives us counsel, not just through his word, and that's where we go first, but God also will give us counsel through other godly and wise people. And, and by seeking out that counsel, the counsel of God through his word and the counsel of wise and godly people, that will help guide us and it'll help guard us as we make choices and as we make decisions in our life. Today what I want to do is I want to look at another component to kind of continue filling out this conversation that we're in. So let me set it up with, for you for a moment. I want you to kind of track with me here and then we'll bring it back in and land the plane in a little bit. Now, to make wise decisions in any area of your life, it requires you to understand and then submit to the principles or the laws or the rules that govern that area of life. Now, what do I mean by that? So let's imagine you're a coach. Okay, you coach baseball, basketball, you know, volleyball, football, whatever the case may be. If you're a coach, you want to make wise decisions, right? Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that make sense? I'm a coach. It's my job to make good and wise decisions. Now, in order to make good and wise decisions, then you have to understand and submit to the laws and the rules and the principles of that particular sport. If you don't understand and then submit to the laws and principles and rules of that particular sport, then what happens? You'll be a terrible coach, right? And in some cases, you'll get fired. You could even be a volunteer and get fired if people think you're just making awful decisions. Think about it. If you're a, take this a little further. If you're a basketball coach and you are teaching these kids, if you're teaching them to kick the ball through the hoop, not good, right? If you're a volleyball coach 
And if you teach your, your, your players, as soon as the other team goes up to spike the ball, you duck under the net and you take their legs out. Now that would be awesome for YouTube. It would be incredible. But that wouldn't be good if you don't follow the rules and the guidelines and the principles that govern that particular sport. Does that make sense a little bit? Think about it in another way. You can take this in any, or just about any arena of our life. Think about an architect. The same thing applies. Architects have to make a variety of decisions when they are building a building. This past week, I was in Las Vegas uh, with, with some other pastor friends. We go out there a couple times a year, and, and there's about 20 of us, and we were in the home of, of uh, uh, Judd Wilhite. Judd Wilhite is the pastor of Central Christian Church in Las Vegas. It's one of our sister churches, uh, which actually, after first service, uh, somebody came up to me. They went to that church uh, 20 years ago when it was a lot smaller, and, and uh, they went there for about five years. But, but Judd's the pastor of the church. There's, I don't know, 20, 30,000 people now. It's a huge church, and, uh, one of our sister churches. So we're there, and we're at his house and, and exploring wisdom and talking about how to be wise as leaders, as pastors, and talking about all of that. And then the next day, we got the opportunity to tour the facility and to talk to some of his staff. And what was great about that is we were there last year. And last year, they were, they've been in the midst of this building project for quite a while. The church is this giant box, and they, they can't go outside of the box. They've got to stay in the context of the box. But the problem is their church is just growing and growing and growing. They have a million services, and they need to do something, so they need to add seats. So since they only have 3,000 seats in their auditorium, they now need 4,500 seats in their auditorium. See, all it is is when you get bigger, you just add more zeros, right? I mean, that's really all it is. So they had to go into a, a campaign and start raising money for all of that um, to, to add 1,500 seats. They get the architect. They tell the architect what they want to do. Add 1,500 seats in this 3,000-seat auditorium. The architect, governed by the rules and the principles and the laws of architecture, said, you got that much money, that this is what you want to accomplish, it's not possible. You can't do it. And being the leadership that they were, they said, well, we need to. And so, like in just about any situation, they decided we'll add more money to the situation and see if we could use a different set of laws and rules to govern your decisions. And so they upped the ante and decided to spend $9 million to add 15 100 seats, again, that's just kind of how it works, you know. There's churches all over America. It's, everything's just zeros and zeros. And, and so they decide to spend $9 million. The architect says, oh, let me pull out the other book of laws and rules that govern my choices and decisions. Because now he says, oh, well, if I have that kind of money, I can take the roof off. I could rebuild the roof. I can re-engineer the roof. Oh, I could suspend the balcony in a different way. I can tear out those classes in a different way. And so here's a picture. I don't know if it'll translate to you, but to me, I know because I was there, and hopefully even though it's kind of hard to see, this building that they now built, 4,500 seats, um, it looks like it was built that way. I mean, it looks like that was the original building. But all of that under part, all of that back part above, those used to be classrooms outside. There was all, they didn't have any of that. But because he was governed by the rules and the laws of, of architecture, he was able to build that phenomenal space 
also they were able to build outside a set of stairs that would go uh, up to that new balcony. And it's kind of cool. They, if you walk close, you can't see the sea, but you step back. You're like, oh, there's a sea here and all that. So they were able to do all this. Why? Because the architect understood if I submit to the laws and the rules and the principles of architecture and engineering and physics and all that, I can accomplish the decisions we want to make. Aren't you glad when you get on an airplane that the pilot submits to the laws and principles and rules of flight? Aren't you glad? Except that is if you don't get kicked off because you have to go to the bathroom. Um, If you're not laughing, then you don't pay attention to the news and you really should. Aren't you glad your doctor has an understanding and has submitted to the way that the body works when he prescribes or she prescribes you medicine? Oh, I'll just try this one. Not sure what it's going to do, right? You're glad that they know your body works. They know what the medicine works for this disease and that disease. And so the reason that they're all able to make good decisions is because those decisions are made in the context of the principles, rules, and laws that guide and inform that particular area of life or arena of life. You tracking with me? Does this make sense? You, you kind of follow along? So whether you're trying to make a decision to you know, move your company forward or to move your family forward or to move your friendship forward or to move your faith forward, Your context for making a good and wise decision is, number one, you understand the rules and laws and the principles of that area that govern that that area of your life. You understand it, but then secondly, you also submit to those principles and rules, which helps you make wise decisions when you submit to what you know to be true. That's how you exercise good judgment. That's how you exercise wise judgment. If you ignore those rules, if you ignore those laws, if you don't submit, then what happens? You pay, right? You lose. You fail. Imagine if architects and contractors ignored the laws of physics if they were building a bridge. If they ignored all the different laws that are involved, if they ignore those rules and laws and principles to build that bridge, what happens to the bridge? It breaks. It collapses, right? Dams burst. Planes and cars crash. You ignore the rules of the IR, that govern the IRS, guess what happens? You get a letter. You get a knock on the door. If you're in sports and you don't follow them, flags get thrown. If it's Mother's Day and you don't call your mom... What happens? Flags get thrown. You're in trouble. Here's the point. Asking the question, what's the wise thing to do? It only leads you, you know, to the precipice of wisdom. It gets you up to the edge by asking the question. The question isn't just to know or to understand. The question then, the next step, the goal is to do something about it. And here's what's interesting. In pretty much most, if not all, areas of our life, we know this, we submit to this in a lot of different areas of our everyday life. But when it comes to our, you know, our real life, who we are, we struggle with this area. We're good with just kind of in general submitting to these laws and principles. But with our true life, who we are, our spirit, we struggle. 
So it's no surprise that Solomon, the wisest person to ever live outside of Jesus, who gave us the book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and Song of Solomon, it's no surprise that he had something to say about this. If you haven't turned there yet, I'd like you to turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Of course you haven't. I didn't mention it to you. Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs 9. You can also get to Psalm 111. Psalms 111. Put your finger in both spots. As you're turning there, I want you to think about this. If wisdom in any area of our life, begins with a recognition, if it begins with an understanding and submission to the laws and the principles and the rules of that particular area, then here's what Solomon's going to let us know. Based on it, he's going to say that, that wisdom, you know, we understand wisdom in our life, but he's saying wisdom with your life, with who you are. That begins with us understanding and then submitting to the one who actually established all the principles and the rules of law. In other words, he's letting us know that true wisdom begins with submission to, of course, God. Look how he says it. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, he says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? The beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is simply in this context, the recognition and reverence that leads to submission. The recognition of and the reverence that leads us to submission. One person described it this way. Fear of the Lord is having an odd respect of who God is and a reverential trust in his word, his character, and then living accordingly. In other words, submitting. You see, you know what this is saying? It's saying the fear of the Lord is you and I waking up every single day and we say, God, I understand that you know more about life my life than I do. God, I know you understand more about relationships than I do. God, I know you know, understand more about finances than I do. God, I know you understand more about marriages than I do. You definitely know, Lord, more about my spouse than I do. You know about raise, more about raising kids, more about friendship. God, I believe you know more about life than I do. And so I'm submitting myself to you. Here's my entire life. And God, I recognize and I understand that there are going to be times when you take my hand and you guide me and guide me in such a way and lead me in such a way where I won't understand why. I won't get why you're doing this this way or why you're doing this in my life. You're essentially at times saying to me, because I said so. And you want me to trust you in that way. And God, I recognize and I understand later on, I'll be able to step back and I'll be able to go, oh, that's okay, I trusted him and now I understand why, now I see it. And then there's other times that God will lead us, God will grab our hand, God will ask us to do something and we'll be like, oh, that's obvious and that makes perfect sense and I'm glad to jump in. But either way, whether it's in the ways that we don't understand yet or the ways that are crystal clear right when God asks us to do it, either way, we're saying, God, I'm submitting my entire life to you as the one who created me and knows me from the inside out. Because the only way for me to make wise decisions with my whole life is to understand the rules and the principles and the ideas and the laws that govern life. And therefore, I will submit myself to the rules and principles of that life. And that submission begins submitting to myself to the one who created it all, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Solomon says, 
The beginning of wisdom. It's not a question. The beginning of wisdom is actually a decision. A decision to submit to our Heavenly Father, to His authority in our life. Now, notice verse 10 again, Proverbs 10, 9, verse 10. The second part says this, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let me say it another way. Knowledge of God and His ways brings understanding about life. Or to say it another way, knowledge of God and His ways can result in good judgment or wise judgment. So let's think about this for a second. Every single day, all of us here, we are using, managing, leveraging the way that God created the world, right? Every day you're doing that. And yet, and God created all, and you're using those principles and laws, they're governing your life. And yet, we're resi- we tend to resist the one who created all those rules and laws and principles that govern life. And God looks at us and says, real wisdom is getting to the point where we say, God, I'll submit to you in this. I'll submit myself to the one who I'm already following your rules and principles and laws every day in all these little areas of my life, but I'm going to now submit my whole life to you. You know that a doctor, when uh, you, know, you go in to have a checkup or something, he, goes to, he or she goes to check your pulse, aren't you th- thankful that the doctor does, says, doesn't say, all right, I'm not sure where your pulse is going to be today. Let's start looking around. Aren't you glad that's not happening? You're walking, you know, you, sorry about that. You walk in, let's fix that somehow. Sorry, we're trying to fix it. Aren't you, aren't you glad that you would walk in and he, she, they know exactly where to go? Why? Because there's consistency in the design of creation, right? You understand that. It's why punters in football, so even in soccer, kicking a ball, there's why a punter or a kicker can do what they do. Can you imagine if a punter or a kicker had to wake up each day and go, all right, what's gravity doing today? We got a Super Bowl here, and I got to figure out what's, what's it. Aren't you glad that, you know, they're glad, hey, gravity is, it's created, God set it up this way, it's going to work, and so I can plan accordingly. Every day we're leveraging everything that God set up, we're leveraging it for our benefit constantly. So here's what Solomon has in mind in the second part of this verse. He said, then why would you not surrender and submit your life to this God who has created all of these marvelous systems that you already know about, that you already follow and submit to, that you leverage every day of your life? Why wouldn't you submit your life to him? You're submitting all the other areas of of parts of your life to him. So go ahead and submit who you are your person, your spirit to him. Knowledge of the Holy One, understanding this, brings us understanding. To make a wise decision in life is kind of the bottom line. This is what I think the passage is saying. The way to make the wise decision or wise decisions in our life, it just simply requires submission to the one who created it all, to the author of life. Now in Psalms chapter 111, if you can turn there now, if you haven't already, Solomon's father, King David, he wrote essentially the same thing as, as his, son, or his son Solomon wrote later on. Psalm chapter 110, 111, verse 10, 
Psalm 111, verse 10, says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Beginning of? Wisdom. There it is again. Wisdom begins with the fear, with the reverence, with the awe of who God is. That's where we always start. And then listen to David's twist on it. He says this. And all who follow his precepts have good understanding. Now, this is incredibly important. All of us who follow, all of us who say yes to the precepts of God. What are precepts? Precepts are teachings. Precepts are principles, rules, laws. Thou shalt, thou shalt not. All who follow, all who obey or embrace God's precepts or, or understanding, or as one translation says, all who obey will grow in wisdom. You know what it means? It simply means there's going to be times when you and I are going to need to say yes to God before we know how things are going to turn out. That's what this submission thing is. There's times God's word's been clear. He's spoken to you. God's godly counsel and wisdom through other godly people has been clear. He has spoke to you. And you're going to have to say, you have a choice to say yes. Wisdom is saying yes before you know the outcome. Saying yes first. See, there's going to be a times you're like, yeah, but I want to understand. And I get it. I get it. But let me tell you, it's very simple with God. Sometimes to understand why, you have to first submit. Apply what he's saying. Then down the road, he'll give you the understanding. I used to listen to uh, Pastor Greg Laurie a lot when I was younger and, and um, still listen from time to time. And I used to love when he would do his altar calls. If you've never heard of Greg Laurie, evangelist, uh, pastor of Harvest in Southern California. And he would talk constantly about, hey, come give your life to the Lord. And he'd finish off these, these altar calls and he'd say, you may not understand everything. You may not get it all today. And you want all your questions answered. He'd say, you come to Jesus first and then you'll get your questions answered. And it was just a great, it's always stuck with me. S to understand why, say yes, submit, apply it. Then God will give you that understanding down the road. The entire Bible is filled with examples and stories with this. You can go through almost just about every chapter and find examples. I'm not going to go through even a, a thousandth of them, but just a couple jumped to mind. Abraham, he didn't understand why, right? God said go. He didn't know. Joseph gets these incredible dreams from God, right? He didn't understand what they were all about and what they meant and where, what it's ultimately going to mean for his entire family, for the entire nation of Israel, for the entire future of Israel and for eventually for, for, for a Savior coming. He didn't get all of that. Joshua, the Israelites, you think they understood why walking around, a, a, you know, a city's going to bring destruction upon it? You think they understood that? Peter, he has this vision of this flying tablecloth with all these animals on it. You think he understood what that was all about? And a Gentile shows up and says, go, and he's like, okay. He didn't know what God was up to and where God was taking him and what that was all about. Over and over and over, you and I, if we study the Word and read the Word and soak it in, we discover men and women of faith who said yes first, who submitted before they knew the outcome. Are you discovering this in your own life? That the launching place for making wise decisions is just this big, unreserved 
yes to God. Yes, God, I'll do whatever you ask. Now, here's where you've got to make a decision this morning. Because I really hope, I pray you have been tracking with us and, and paying attention, and I'm hoping there has been this growing desire, this sense for, for, to hunger and to thirst for the wisdom of God. Because the reality is we all have areas of our life, right? We look back and go, man, if I had asked this question, if I had sought God's wor- God and His Word, if I had sought God through wise counsel, godly counsel, if I had submitted and said yes to God first, I would have been spared all of that. I'd have so much less regret. I would be so much more dialed in to God's will for my life. And it's not that I'm not there now, but I, I wouldn't have had to go left and right and around and 360. I would have just been dialed in sooner. You've been there. You've known that feeling. A lot of my past situations, current circumstances, future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? I'm hoping, hoping, hoping. This question becomes, it's just like part of the permanent filter by which you try to seek God and make good and wise decisions in your life. Again, and very important here, asking the question is going to clarify what's the wise thing to do. It'll clarify what you should do. But here's what I absolutely know as we're trying to come to some point of making a decision. I know it doesn't guarantee you'll actually do it. I get it. Some of you are like, oh, I love the question. Amazing question. I've been giving it to my friends and my kids and to everybody else. I get that. But the Bible tells us, James chapter 1, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Our question, it leads you to the edge of the life that God really wants you to have. It's an amazing life. It's an incredible life. Your life will be better. I didn't say easier. There's no guarantees that life will be easy. In fact, God's far more interested in your character than your comfort. But life will be better. Not because you're not going to suffer trials and tribulations and sickness and disease and, and bad relationships and issues. Not because of all that. But your life will be better because you will be pursuing God's wisdom in how to get through all that and how to work through all that and how to find joy and peace in the midst of all of the chaos that is this side of eternity and this side of heaven. The thing that determines whether or not you do the wise thing. It's not just knowing the question. It's whether you then take the step off. You surrender your will to the will of the Father in heaven. The beginning of wisdom isn't just a question. The beginning of wisdom is a decision to say yes to your heavenly Father. Submitting to the source that you already submit areas of your life all the time. A decision, and church, I want you to catch this. It's a decision that, and it's a scary thought. I get it. But it's a decision to, in a sense, write a blank check to God with your life. I get that that's scary. I understand that. It's a decision to say to God, 
Here it is, blank check. Before I even know and completely understand, God, I trust you. I already submit to the laws and principles and rules that guard and govern our life. I do that all the time, so I want to do it with my real life, what my life is really about. I submit to the author of life. I want you to turn with me to James chapter 3 as we get ready to wrap this up. James chapter 3. What Solomon has said to us, what David has said to us, the only way to get there is you open your hands. You lift them up to God and say, God, here you go. I want your way. Yes, yes, following you. I love how James describes everything we've been talking about. Perfect description, summary, all of it in one. James chapter 3, verse 13. Notice what he says. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from, and what's the word comes from? Wisdom. You know what he's saying in this verse? He's saying show it, do it, to have knowledge, to have understanding of of something, and to have information, that's one thing. Knowledge is is understanding, but wisdom is the ability to apply that knowledge to our everyday life. To do it. Look at verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it. Now let me tell you something. Here's what I get. Here's what I understand. Most of us don't boast out loud about this whole thing, this envy, this, this selfish ambition. Oh, I'm smarter. I'm better. I'm this. I'm. We don't do it out loud. We do it in our hearts. We hold it inside. What we're really thinking about everybody else around us. But God knows. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it, or deny the truth. It's like like, God knows, don't deny it. Such, quote, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. In other words, gang, there's two types of wisdom. There's wisdom that's from God, and there's wisdom that's just kind of us figuring it out on our own. For where you have, verse 16, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But wisdom that comes from where? Wisdom that comes from? Heaven. heaven is, and I think James does a good job of laying what wisdom out, what it is, laying it out. Wisdom is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, here's our word again, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. If, man, if you need a definition of wisdom... I think this is a great place to start. If you're looking for that, wisdom comes down from heaven, not earthly, fleshly, carnal wisdom. Wisdom comes down from heaven. It's pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy. It's good fruit. It's impartial. It's sincere application of God's truth. There's wisdom. Ephesians 5. Be careful how you live. Proverbs 9. Proverbs, or Psalm 111, be careful how you walk. So do that by walking in the fear of the Lord, relying on God's wisdom from above in matters of your everyday life, and then, as you rely on that, make the changes, the adjustments necessary to be in line with God's will and God's way based on His Word. As we close this morning, I'm aware of how this works because I get the flesh. I really do. 
our human wisdom does something like this. It says, well, I, I've been, some of you have been following God a long time. You know what? I've been following God a long time, and I've submitted a lot of areas of my life to him. In fact, I, I, I've even maybe even submitted most of my life to God. God, I gave you my kids a long time ago. I gave you my spouse because there's no other option. I submitted that area, that issue, that situation, that part of my life. But here's what I know. It's what I know about every single person here this morning. There's another area or two. And we've held on to it. And we all have our ways of approaching it. We've held on to it. We've said, well, you know, I deserve this. It's my guilty little pleasure. It's my area that I've justified based on everything else. It's my habit. It's my ailment. It's my sickness. It's my disease. It's my personality trait. It's the one thing, God. You can have all the rest, but I'm holding on to this. And I just got to tell you, your Heavenly Father who loves you so, so much, who put you in this world that was designed for you, specifically for you, he says, come on, you have been leveraging principles and rules and laws that I created in all these areas of your life. You've submitted to those, but you won't submit that to me. You won't trust me enough with that one area of your life. Let me in, God says. Let me in. So are you ready? Are you willing this morning to be wise to live as, not as Ephesians 5 says, not as unwise, but to live as wise. To not just know, but to respond. And that means you come like this. You humbly open your hands and you submit to God. Yes, God. To this area that I've been holding on to. What's the wise thing to do? Remember a few weeks ago, we had the chairs and we said, pick a chair. You can live your life as a simple, the fool, or the mocker, or you can live your life as the wise. Choose the chair of the wise. Pick a chair. We then said, pick a voice. You can, you can, you know, you can choose the voice of God, the wisdom of God through His Word and through others, or you can choose, you know, the voices in your head. You can choose your own opinion or the voices of the world. Pick a, pick a chair, pick a voice. This morning, I'm asking you to pick a posture. Pick a posture. You can puff your chest out. Do it my way. Do it my way. I'm in charge. God, I'll give you a bunch of areas, but I'm holding on to this. Or you do this. You humbly submit to God. That's wisdom. Wisdom from above. So here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to close your eyes, bow your head, and put your hands just like this. Before you close your eyes, so you know what I'm doing. Put your hands like this. <laughs> like this, like this, like this. Okay, so this is the look. Everybody got it? Now close your eyes, bow your head. Some of you, as you're holding your hands like this, some of you might want to put them on your knees. Some of you might want to lift them off your knees and say, hey, you know what, I'll be even a little uncomfortable because I'm really just kind of focusing on God. Some of you, you might feel like right now, you know what, I want to lift my hands to God. And they're wide open. And some of you need to do that right now. Because God's been moving and God's been speaking. You're like, you know what? This is, this is a physical thing. And I'm, 
and I'm not saying that you embrace God more by lifting your hands, but some of you need to do it. Because you're like, okay, God, here it is. Here's my posture. Some of you need to do that. Open your fingers wide, your hands wide, and just lift it up to God and say, God, here you go. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we come before you this morning, Lord, recognizing and knowing you as the creator of all, you've created rules and principles and laws that govern life. God, we've been submitting to physics and math and science and we've been submitting to all those things every day of our lives. And yet what we're doing right now, God, is hard for us to submit our actual life to you, our soul to you. But right now, God, we come with open hands. And God, right now, everybody's doing it physically. But my prayer is everybody is doing this from their soul. That this posture of humility, of submission, is God saying, this is what we lay before you. And so I encourage you right now, whatever's on your hands, that one area, those two areas that you've been holding on, you just lift that to God right now and say, God, here you go. I submit this to you. I submit this issue, this relationship, this, this topic, this frustration, this guilt, this anger. I, God, I submit it to you. I want to make a wise decision now. And God, I know you might be calling me to do something to follow up with this, but God, I lay it before you. God, hear our call, prayers. For some, there's going to be a deep, deep pain in this prayer. But we lay it before you, God. And God, right now, we come to worship you by giving you an offering, a physical, financial offering. You've asked us to do it. We know it's a good thing. We know it's a wise thing. We know it worships you. And so, God, we lay this before you. Even if we don't understand, we trust you. That's what this whole submission thing's all about. And, God, so this is a practical way to live out exactly what we've been talking about in this area of our life. Use these gifts, God, coming from our hearts to glorify yourself, to, to expand your kingdom, to minister and bless those here and across the world. Use this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.